All opinions expressed by the program participants are their own and do not reflect those of Blue Line Futures LLC or their affiliates. The content is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as trading advice. Futures trading involves a substantial risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Therefore, carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for your financial condition. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of the Macro Corner podcast, proudly presented by Blue Line Futures. I am your host, Paul Wankbuller. Today, my guest is Giannis Mindahl. Welcome to the show, Giannis. Hey, Paul. It's good to be back on the podcast. Lots to cover today, so let's get right into it. Absolutely, absolutely. The topic of today's podcast is fiscal dominance and the Fed's amplification of the business cycle. Now, we all know that we are coming up into midterm elections, and it seems like the median voter is leaning towards fiscal dominance. But what does that actually mean? Yeah, so coming off of Jackson Hole, everybody was focused on the Fed. Of course, everybody's focused on monetary policy as the primary primary driver of financial uh, markets. But as the as the focus sort of shifts to what does fiscal do, fiscal dominance plays an increased role. What is fiscal dominance? It's basically a fiscal spending driving things rather than monetary policy. And what we're seeing right now is exactly that. We see that the Fed is implementing tighter monetary policy. We are running the balance sheet off at a pace of $95 billion uh, a month. Uh, the Fed keeps hiking rates. And some of the hawkish rhetoric out of the Fed just over the weekend, Neil Kashkari, that, that hawkish rhetoric is persisting. So as the consumer already shows real negative consumer sentiment, as the jobs market is rolling over from ultra easy conditions, the consumer will expect some someone else rather than the Fed uh, who bails them out. And that money needs to come from the fiscal side as they try to satisfy the voter going into midterms. But then also it seems that there's a trend, uh, a larger trend where fiscal uh, austerity is not really a fiscal spending is ultimately the reaction function to a population that's maybe not as satisfied uh, within the current economic landscape. Sure. And just going back, you said 95, and that, that just recently doubled, uh, I believe, in September. That's when things shifted a little bit, correct? From 40- Exactly. So that exactly doubled on September 1st. So right now we're running at $95 billion a month of, uh, a month of QT, and that uh, doubled. And we'll see the implications. I mean, really, since the early 2000s, when Japan started introducing QE, it became a theme that QE would drive financial assets. Then on the back of the great financial crisis, we saw the Fed implement QE. And ever since then, we have sort of gotten used to this really strong accommodation driving risk assets higher. And it's an open question as to how stark this contrast will be between QE and the balance sheet runoff to the tune of $95 billion. But we will see some sort of impact, most likely. And as that happens, as that unfolds, the fiscal side will sort of try to mitigate uh, the pain that's inflicted on the consumer. Remember, Jay Powell at Jackson Hole said that there will be necessary pain inflicted right. on the everyday American. So someone needs to step in, and that will ultimately be the fiscal side. Sure. And so just going back to what you were, we, we, we've, we've spoken about this in, in past podcasts, it seems that uh, the power is going back to the employee versus the employer. And, and what you're implying here is that maybe the, the jobs, you know, it is plentiful. There are plentiful jobs right now, correct? 
they are easy to find. But do you see a shift in in that with this uh, fiscal dominance term that you're talking about? Yeah, so monetary accommodation, generally speaking, flows towards financial assets. That's mm-hmm. ultimately why we have seen stocks outpace the real economy, outpace cash flows in the real economy by the extent that we have. You look at slide one of our slide deck today, you mm-hmm. can see the stark difference between what the stock market's done and what wages have done. The stock market just dramatically outpaced wages, which means the stock market has outpaced the real economy. And right now, the median voter is basically demanding a shift in that narrative. And maybe we just mean reverting around a longer term trend, which tells us that current conditions are basically unsustainable. But going back to this uh, shortage of labor dynamic, we've seen an extremely easy job market where it was real, um, where it was just where there were jobs ample to be had. But then also it boils down to dislocations in the economy. We're coming off of a pandemic. We're coming off of uh, a globalization trend. And there will inevitably locations and maybe there needs to be job training that's yet to be done. And all of that is ultimately just flowing into this new narrative of fiscal dominance and the fiscal side supporting this phase transition into what may be a new regime. Sure. And, and just to add to that, you also hear rhetoric of there is a quote unquote new normal. You see, uh, you know, it's kind of split down the middle. You have all Goldman Sachs employees returning to the office today, whereas you have other companies that are still fully remote. And that has to be part of the narrative of this story, I believe. Yeah, I mean, that's new normal. I want to be careful with using that term too often, but I do <laughs> think that it applies in that scenario. I do think that it applies right here as uh, we're coming off of multiple uh, factors. And it's ultimately the inflation train that uh, derails what we have seen over the last few decades, where the central bank cannot be as easy as they once were. And then the question ultimately becomes, to what extent can fiscal, by increasing spending, put the Fed into a corner? Because you have to remember that the Fed, uh, Fed, what the Fed does is just they accommodate whatever fiscal spending dynamics there are, whatever the real economy is doing. And Mm -hmm. if fiscal keeps spending, that would mean that monetary needs to be really careful with how aggressive they can be in the long term. Because if the fiscal side spends, then it's really difficult to raise rates to a level where it may, where it may become uh, really difficult for the uh, Treasury to service the amount of debt that there is. So, yeah, it's really this tug of war between monetary and fiscal policy where one of them tries to dictate what the other needs to do. I mean, we've seen the same thing where um, coming out of COVID lockdowns where the fiscal side really kept spending, driving up inflation. Fiscal flowing towards the demand side is driving up inflation because money is going towards the lower income deciles. And that will be a really interesting dynamic to watch. Sure. And, and, you know, I guess just going back to that, you know, November is not that far away here as we enter the beginning of September. And I think one point that you're really trying to drive home is that if consumer sentiment is low and consumers are not confident going forward, how how strict and, and how hawkish can the Fed remain with, I believe, where the, the University of Michigan consumer sentiment is is near 2008 lows, if I'm not mistaken here. 
and it's it, actually below 2008 lows. Oh, okay. It seems to be at record lows, in fact. So it's it it's it boils down to the Fed is committed to fighting inflation at least right now. The mm -hmm. Fed made it official policy that there will be pain, that there is a necessary um, withdrawal of liquidity that's happening right now in exchange for what they want to see as lower inflation over the long term. Where that inflation is ultimately going to settle in is a different set of uh, questions. Uh, but we do need someone else to step up and as the voters demand more fiscal support to step in in the face of what monetary policy is doing, it becomes a bipartisan issue. It's really across the aisle right here that we have seen uh, fiscal accommodation uh, demanded uh, across both sides. So th the fact that it is so widespread that the demands for fiscal support are so widespread just means that the median voter has shifted towards a much larger acceptance of what is ultra accommodative fiscal policy just over uh, last night, we've seen uh, Liz Truss, who is the new prime minister in yep. England, uh, introduce a new uh, plan for about 130 billion pounds of energy stimulus, essentially, to support the UK citizens. And uh, she is already talking about an additional 65 billion pounds to support support the commercial side. So we see that there's a wide acceptance and ultimately things like wartime unite the population and that leads to a much wider acceptance of what might otherwise be looked at as crazy spending as a crazy spending spree. That is that is a very interesting point and we'll see if any of that money actually goes into in infrastructure or if it's just going to go straight to the citizen to pay the bills, right? That is another point. <laughs> Fiscal spending tends to be really ineffective and we do know that the government is not the most efficient capital allocator. That's that's also why Fiscal spending is inflationary because it is not allocated efficiently the same way that the private market might allocate um, money. But yeah, it, it will be an interesting question. It will remain at the forefront of what we'll be watching in terms of tug of war between financial assets, the tug of war between monetary policy and fiscal policy. It will remain extremely interesting on the macro front. Well, I'll leave it with this. Giannis, it is said that government money is delivered in a leaky bucket. But it seems that in my lifetime, anyway, it seems that there are more holes in this bucket in the in the past couple of government interventions that we've seen delivering money to various sectors. But, hey, we're going to go more in depth in fiscal dominance and the Fed's amplification of the business cycle in our top things to watch email out every Sunday. We also have the Macro Corner slide deck, which is available on our website as well is in that email sent to clients, not a client, reach out to podcast at bluelinefutures.com for a two-week complimentary trial of our premium research covering equity indices, bonds, metals, grains, livestock, and more. My guest today was the fabulous Giannis Mindall. Thank you so much for joining me today, Giannis. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on. Great. Thank you again, everybody. Have a great week trading. All opinions expressed by the program participants are their own and do not reflect those of Blue Line Futures LLC or their affiliates. The content is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as trading advice. Futures trading involves a substantial risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Therefore, carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for your financial condition.